Welcome to the Mixed In Key podcast. We're back once again with the ill behaviour. Uh, today, I have no Isaac. He's, he's putting out fires, uh, metaphorical fires. Our American listeners will be glad to know. Uh, but I am joined uh, with another one of my colleagues. Uh, this is Mao Montecchio. And he's joining me today. Uh, I'm Adam. And we're going to talk about what makes a catchy hook. How do you write a hook which is catchy, right? Something that we all want to achieve, but it isn't that simple. If it was, we'd all have a guitar-shaped swimming pool in our garden. Uh, so, Mal, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all? Well, thanks for having me, Adam. Thanks for coming on. Well, I'm basically just uh, another bedroom music producer, <laughs> such as you, man. So modest. So, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I had some classical training, but not in a formal way. Uh -huh. both, my, my, both my parents are musicians, so right. since I was little, I've been surrounded by, by music. Yeah. Been, play, been playing piano since the age of five, wow. maybe yeah. four. Yeah. But, you know, never in a formal way, just because <laughs> my dad played and yeah. I watched him. Mm. And he actually loved uh, to put me some classical music, so... That's my classical background. Right, yeah, lovely. Uh, and what have you been doing more recently? Well, uh, I started music production, electronic music production, um, yeah. back back in 2015. Uh, and, you know, I just started because it was fun, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And, well, that kept escalating. And mm -hmm. back then in 2018... Well, you guys organized the contest. Yes. And I happened to be the winner. You were. Who knows why? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mao is being extremely modest uh, because he's uh, a very gifted songwriter, so much so that our CEO, Yakov, uh, really, uh, once on hearing your winning entry, he wanted to uh, bring you further, bring you closer into the mixed in key fold to uh, get your input uh, and your skills. Uh, put to good use for us and you've been writing advert music for us and uh, other audio for our uh, media is that right yes i have it's been pretty fun work to do you know yeah jacobs has been so generous uh -huh. and everyone is so nice here at mixed in key ah, it's a good team so i'm really happy yeah great okay so you're in mexico city right yeah, that's right. See, big city. I know it's a big and and too many and, people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not 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 good to be around too many people at this moment in time, I guess. Um, Definitely not. No. Well, anyway, enough about that. Uh, well, Mao is in Mexico City. I'm in Brighton. A uh, very international team at Mixed In Key. Hopefully, that gives us some additional uh, insights. You know, into the sort of uh, you know the global appetite for music and the kind of global styles of music that, that there are. Um, would you say that music in Mexico is fundamentally different to music in America, kind of in, in, on the radio or in the clubs? Well, probably right now, not as before. Right. You know, uh, nowadays Latin music mm -hmm. is huge, huge all right the world. so Probably mexican music has gone to america to. right so mexican music has actually gone to more to america than than the other way around right that's you know that's yeah, interesting yeah i would say so yeah that's yeah. that's great that's brilliant um so okay so so let, let's get on with the kind of the the the, the reasons for being here we want to establish uh, a methodology or a way of identifying uh how to write or what is 
a catchy hook. What would you say is, uh, what's your first thought if someone says to you, what makes a catchy hook? My first thought would be simplicity. Simplicity, yeah. And repetition, mm-hmm. most definitely. But how, how um, do you make that not boring? You know, um, music is essentially a series of cycles. Mm. So, uh, you know, uh, almost every song, almost every popular song, you know, it starts with this chord, mm. then that chord, that chord, that chord, and yeah. then you repeat it. Mm. This chord, that chord, that chord. Uh, and that's what makes a song catchy. Yeah. It's not going to be catchy if it doesn't repeat every time. Yeah. Got it. So that's that's essentially it, you know. Um, it doesn't matter if the melody does, doesn't even make sense, you know. Mm. As long as it repeats itself, that's already a big win. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. Sure. So that it's actually great news for everybody. So that means anyone can make a, a catchy a catchy song. Right. Yeah. As long as it it repeats itself. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, I think yeah. that's the basics uh-huh. of it. Uh-huh. So why isn't everybody writing catchy smash hit songs? Well, everybody should try. You know? <laughs> that's a great answer. <laughs> Very true. Very, very true. Um, it's, I've been listening to some uh, some Indian music for the last... I just bought some Indian records in, in a market, uh, kind of old Raga, uh, Raja stuff, Ravi Shankar and um, Panal Gahosh and stuff like that. And uh, it's completely different because there's literally no repetition. It's pure playing freeform playing that's interesting um and it, yeah it's really interesting it's wonderful to listen to but it's very much it becomes a part of your background it's a lovely way to wake up first thing you hear is this yes. kind of move like subtly moving meandering music it's, it's beautiful but it is not catchy it's the opposite of catchy really absolutely yeah indian music can really get complex yeah absolutely you know? But funnily enough, coming from a hip-hop perspective myself, I'm just looking for like the chop, you know, the little sample that I can I can drag out of that. Because all we want to do from a hip-hop perspective is just loop something. It's a, it's exactly. about finding that cycle. Yeah, and that's what I mean. E- everything can be turned into a catchy song. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's ethnic music from, you yeah. know, yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. If you find a cool part that you can loop, you can make a hit yeah. with that. Just yeah. uh, make sure you don't get copyrighted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Be careful what you sample, uh, boys and girls. Exactly. But um, so what, what, what are the ingredients in terms of um, instrumentation in a catchy hook? Are we just talking about a chord progression or is it a melody on its own? Is it the mixture of a melody and uh, a chord progression. Do we need to get complicated and start talking about counterpoints and um, you know uh, uh, counter melodies, call and response, or is it simply? Well, you you tell me. Um, well, I think the answer is pretty wide. Yeah. You know, first and the most important thing is repetition, as I just yes. said before. Yeah. Uh, I would say the second uh, most important thing mm-hmm. is well. The melody, mm-hmm. because the melody is the thing that you actually are humming when driving to work or in the shower. You know, right? You you are not humming uh, a beat no. or a groove. You hum the melody. Yeah. So that is what sticks mm. in people's minds. So melody is, is number two. Mm. 
after the melody, I would say uh, like the textures and the instruments, because it's pretty easy to just go into you know serum or silent or mm. whatever VST mm. you like, and pick a, and pick a sound that sounds nice to you, but. I think that the producers that really spend time in the sound design mm. are the ones that are successful. I think that's very much become the case, hasn't it? Um, we've seen a shift from I, I've, I read an interview with Rick Wakeman from you know uh, Status Quo and Yes and so on, uh, and he was saying that uh, when they first they were in the sort of the first wave of synthesizers in the 70s and 80s and they just said listen we we just use the presets because you know the synth manufacturers spent ages making the, the they understand the synthesis engines they make the presets sound good we just use them and focus on the songwriting but i think we've shifted almost like full tilt now where the simplest actual melody and chord combination can be a smash hit because actually what we're focusing on today's audience is now focusing on the sound that is that is playing those melodies and chords you know we have Completely such right, advanced right. sound design now if you think about I, I would give as an example maybe martin garrick's animals which is like phenomenally simple but the sound design is so like it was so exciting when it first came out that it just blew people away yeah it was so unique yeah you know and after that like obviously everybody starts uh, copying that sound yeah and that's essentially the big room house type of sound yeah which martin made popular mm. back then yeah but you know for example um these guys at the podcast oh, well maybe can we cut that <laughs> <laughs> i i forgot what i had to say uh. well for example you, you can see it because we're on a zoom call yeah, yeah. this is a flute uh-huh. I, I bought in Guatemala. Oh, yes, I can see. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. It's it's handmade. And I use this uh, to... I record this and then I put auto-tune in it because since it's hand <laughs> right. handmade, yeah, yeah. it doesn't really give you exact tones. Sure, sure, yeah. And I like to use this flute because it's something that anybody else... Sorry, not, like nobody else can replicate. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's cool. So... I think producers, it's it's great if producers start finding these kind of tools mm. that are really hard to replicate. Yeah. So that's a unique sound, you know? Yeah, the Mal Montecchio sound. People are like, oh, that's, that's that sound. Absolutely. So do you find and, that you, you use know, it in a lot of songs? That flute? Mm-hmm. Uh, not as much as, we, as I would like because I don't also would like to fall into a rabbit hole of always using this. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see that, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting well, balance instance, to strike because you want a signature sound, but you also don't want to be completely, like, entrapped by it, right? Like, you know, I also have this one, which uh -huh. is the shape of an owl. Oh, yeah, I can see. Like, if Mouse. you want to hear the tone of it, that's the owl. Okay, yeah. this is the flute. Yeah. Like, they are slightly different. Yeah. But when I auto-tune them and process them, yeah. they're really sound different. Okay. So I can also be the flute guy. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I like it. That's very interesting. But that's just an example, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. That's a way of, of being original. Mm. And another great way of being original using regular VSTs is after you use a nice preset in, in Serum mm. or Silent or, mm. or whatever, really... Um, Throw in a bunch of plugins and change the sound from there. Mm. Do not uh, always stick just to 
changing the the parameters in yeah. in, in serum, mm. but also you know add, adding distortion, yeah. reverb, pitch shifting, all even melody, you know, or yeah. or whatever yeah. pitch correction tool you use. Yeah, you can use that on anywhere mm -hmm. to to alter the sound. Yeah, so I think that's a great way to also sound sound original. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good tip. I wasn't expecting the conversation to to, to go this way. I'm, I'm really intrigued. So we, what we're talking about making a song catchy uh, is to you. I mean, you're you're a younger guy than me, and you're more on the pulse with uh, sort of young, you know, younger audiences. And actually, the, one of the first things you've said is that the sound sound design is is super important. Uh, I, well, yeah, I find that fascinating. Reality is that it's it's not going to be catchy if it sounds like everything else. Right. You know? Right. Probably the first song that sounded like this was catchy, but yeah, and maybe the second and the third mm, one. But mm. the next songs that sound like that, they're not gonna be catchy anymore. Right. So you've got to find something unique in your absolutely in your song in your sounds. Um, I mean, but you know, but then, then again, there are plenty of examples of piano songs being catchy and modern and, and successful. So it's, you know, it's the same with everything, I guess. In music, it's always a case of like, there isn't, there are no rules. Like it's not hundred percent anything, but it's a good place to start to not only come up with uh, what you think might be a simple, catchy and repetitive melody and chord combination, but just to kind of get, get a really unique, uh, get your really unique sound playing it. Yeah, it's a great tip. What is there anything else that you think um, would make for a catchy song, a catchy hook? Yeah, well, just as you said, piano will not get old ever. Right. Yeah. Same with guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe drums. Yeah, like yeah. Acoustic drums. Uh huh. That's always gonna be there. Yeah. So you you don't. Uh, be 100% experimental because that doesn't work either. Right. Can you, you repeat that? You have some Sorry, really, Mal, uh, I'll just, I'll stop you there. Uh, the network went down and I didn't catch what you said there. Could you repeat that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, piano will never get old, mm -hmm. as you said. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah. Same goes with guitar yeah. and acoustic drums. So in order to make a catchy song, you don't have to be 100% experimental because yeah. that doesn't work. Mm. People need to feel identified. Mm. With something, yeah, and the great way to do that is using uh, the classic stuff: piano, mm. guitar, drums. Uh, you know, '80s synths. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like the weekend lately. Yes, yeah. Well, that's that's a big thing coming back. David Guetta's new one has a very distinct oh, yeah. Wait, '80s yeah. vibe. Yeah, um, made I love in it. <clears throat> made in Captain. Everybody made in Captain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really was. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 true. It's striking a balance, um, getting the, the the sounds right, and I, th I guess also with an eye on what's kind of current or just around the corner, um, because as you say, people don't find things catchy if they feel like they've heard it a million times. So you don't want to be last on the bandwagon, if you see what I mean. You want you kind of want to like maybe be thinking what could be just around the corner, around the next corner, or what's this artist just done, and does it feel like uh, a zeitgeist moment where everyone's going to go. Oh yeah, I want to do that. Um, can you can you repeat that, please? I think your internet just ah uh, uh, we're having internet issues. Went bad. Yeah, I was just saying. You know, I don't know if I can remember what I said. I was just saying. Uh, you know, like it, it it's maybe about 
trying to spot things but just before they happen as well because as you say a catchy song wouldn't necessarily be catchy if people feel like they've heard that kind of thing many many times so uh you could argue that keeping an eye on what uh you know forward thinking artists are just are just doing and maybe trying to go I'll kind of emulate that idea or if I see the weekend going towards the 80s I'll think right it could be the 80s time you know again the 80s time cycles every yes, 10 15 be years time again. yeah exactly right because um new audiences haven't heard that before because they're young um so there's always a, there's always cycles in music so if you can predict those I think that makes sense but I I I do think that there is something about the melodic construction not only simplicity but if you think about the the smash the big hits of the last few years um there there is something in their construction isn't there um that makes them catchy if you think of I don't know Ed Sheeran Shape of You or um you know, Katy Perry, Raw, uh, Sia, Firework. These are very, very catchy hooks. But is there anything that you can identify in their melodic and compositional structure that um, other composers might try and emulate? Oh, yes. Um, absolutely. Um, well, basically the chord progression. Mm. Uh, there is a, a really limited number of chord progressions that actually work for yeah. for pop music. Yes, that's actually quite. It's just a true, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's completely true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would start there. Yeah. Apart from repetition and simplicity, you know, you you have to find a chord progression that works. Yeah. And when you do that, you already have like half of the work done. Yeah. So you know, like, pro I. I'm not really sure about this, but the Despacito chord progression, mm. I've heard that everywhere. Yeah. You know, because it works. Yeah. And it's catchy. Yeah. And people already know that in their in their heads. Mm. Yeah. I think like sub subconsciously, but they yeah. know it. Yeah, yeah. So don't be afraid to use a pre-existing chord progression, I think, for one. If you want to make a song catchy, people actually like... Absolutely not. People like expecting something and being correct, if you see what I mean. So if they're like... Yes. If you hear the one and the four, you know, the, the, in, in, the, um, in the minor scale or in the major scale, you actually kind of want to hear the five and the six make an appearance because it's such a common four gr group of four chords to hear together that if you're, exactly. if you're a listener or if you're on a dance floor, you're dancing away, sometimes you don't actually want to be surprised too much. Yep, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. You know, the more predictable, the better. Yeah, absolutely. But then this is the magic ingredient with making something catchy is that if it's so predictable that everyone's like, oh yeah, I see where this is going and oh, there it went. It's boring, but if it's like, if it, I guess the melody has to carry this kind of excitement within the predictability. Well, yes. Uh, what happens here is that we both are thinking as musicians. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. If we, hear, if we hear something that's really predictable, yeah, we might get bored. But yeah. The truth is that um, most of the people still like predictable things. Yeah. And they don't really feel bored because, you know, if the song you're making, it's meant to be at the club yeah. or at a party, yeah. or, you know. Uh, something like that. People doesn't really care if it's predictable. No, you know, they they want to have fun. They want to be. Uh, they want the music to be a part of their soundtrack of, of their life. Yes. So yeah. if this soundtrack of their life 
is as simple as it can get. It's nice. It's actually great. So yeah. they don't have to really think about the music while yeah. they're having fun. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. I think that's a very solid advice as well, that um, it can be tempting. I mean, our audience for this podcast is predominantly music producers and songwriters, and um, it can be tempting for us to complicate things because it makes it feel like we're working harder. But that isn't necessarily always the wisest move if you just want to make songs that people enjoy in general, because most people aren't thinking of it from a musician's perspective, as you just said. It's exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think my advice here would be uh, when you start a song, you first have to define if this uh, song is going to be for, for you, for, for yourself, the yeah. producer, yeah. or for the audience, you, you know? Yeah. Because it's, there's a big difference in pleasing yourself mm. and pleasing the audience. Yes, yeah. If you want to please the audience, you have to do uh, predictable things and simple stuff. Yeah. But there's not always, that's not always the case. You can always uh, just sit in your computer, do the thing you like, it doesn't have to be catchy, but mm. if, if it works for you, then it, it works for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you will always make music for other people and for the enjoyment of other people, like, why are you even doing this? You have to yeah. sometimes yeah. let yourself, uh, your imagination fly, Yeah, you know, just have fun, doesn't do the most predictable stuff. Be different from yeah. time to time. Yeah, That's take a risk. Not, that's gonna be a, a great hit, or mm. maybe it will. You know. Yeah, but I guess I mean that's a, a, that's another brilliant point. Um, that it, 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 many people, uh, I wouldn't. I've never really sort of wanted to write a, a, a hip hop song, but I know that a lot of people do, and they might be going into this whole process thinking like that's really my aim here. I really want to be songwriter to the stars. Um, I want to be the next Avicii. I want to be whatever, you know, and, and, um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that goal. That's absolutely, absolutely valid. But I do think that on some level you have to remember how to enjoy what you're doing as well. Um, you know, and, and I think sometimes writing songs for yourself can be crucial in that. Actually, I think, I think of Taylor Swift now that I'm saying that, that her last album, I think it sounds to me like it was very much something where she just went, you know what? I really want to do the record that I want to make. Oh, yes. You Folklore. Know. Yeah. It's great. It's a great record. Yeah. I was so impressed. Jakov recommended it to us. He did. The other day. Yeah. And it's a really impressive I record. I it entirely and I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Really good songwriting. Yeah. But it, I mean... Just it, as you said. It's funny though. I, I thought most of the songs were, were, were pop songs. They were just done in the way that she wanted to do them. Yeah, exactly. What I heard uh, is that she really felt the songs, and yeah. it, they sounded like she was a big part of of the songwriting yeah. and the production. She yeah. she really wanted to sound like herself. Yeah, absolutely. Said. Yeah, and I think every songwriter's got their voice as well. And and it, listen, not every songwriter can have that smash hit writing vo voice, but every songwriter can write good songs. Because especially if they harness what, what they're really feeling or what their intention is. Um, I, I certainly feel that if you're emotionally reflective before you start writing and decide where, what you want to convey, that really sets you up to write something um, meaningful. And when you start writing something that means something to you, um, you know, it, it's, 
it's a pretty good start, um, especially if you're because sometimes our emotions are fairly simple in, in, in ways, although the world's a very complex world, sometimes we actually feel quite simplistically. We feel in it with rhythm and just a kind of like a, uh, we feel in cycles in some ways. And if you can tap into that inside yourself, then I, don't, I think that might give you a, a head start in actually coming up with that catchy, um, repetitive hook. You know, if you think of, I don't know if this is a big song in uh, in Mexico, but do you know the song? Uh, it's called Song 2 by Blur. Do you know that song? Uh, I think it don't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, try and think of that? another one. There's some um, Pink, maybe So What. Um, do you know that song? Uh, come again? Uh, do you know the song uh, So What by Pink? Oh, yes, Pink. Right. Uh, that feels like Song 2 by Blur, like a, just a sort of a, a cathartic kind of, just an expression. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to feel it. You have to yeah. feel the vibe. Right. It's even more, more important than, than being catchy and simple. Yeah. If you don't like it, then don't keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly good advice, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, what about rhythm? I mean, I, I, I would say, I, th I would say we can all agree that, that music is, uh, harmony meets melody meets, meets rhythm fundamentally. Um, and we've talked about the simplicity of the harmony and the melody, the chords, uh, and, and the melodic ideas that you put together. We've talked about the sound design, um, which is so important nowadays to making songs stand out and be un unique. What about rhythm? To what degree? Well, I, would say, I would say rhythm is it is easy mm. in terms of uh, you know making hits. Right. Why? Like why, why do you say making, that? If you're producing house music, it's even easier. Like you just have to put a kick every quarter bar mm. and a snare every two bars. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if I, I got that right. Not not quite. Know the terms, but really. Not not quite. But um. Yeah, I mean, but I, I make house and I think I'd have to disagree. I think house rhythms are actually quite hard to do because there's um, there's so many ways of getting it wrong that sometimes getting it right is quite a challenge. Um, and I think the same might be true of, of, of other genres as well. Perhaps they seem easy from the outside, but um, yeah, I'd have to disagree. I don't think rhythm is inherently an easy thing to come up with unless you I mean perhaps you're you have a natural uh, affinity but um it's certainly something that I think our our listeners might want to understand a bit better what you you know how we might consider rhythm based against the backdrop of wanting to write a catchy song oh okay yeah well I meant just like the basics the most basic um Thing about oh, okay. Music is yeah, okay. Yeah, the okay. Yeah, kick yeah, drum. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. That's that's always uh, similar in in every song. It is. Yeah. A great example is also reggaeton. Yes. Here yeah. In Latin America, it's mm. huge. Mm. Like the rhythm, it's always the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, more recently, it's super interesting that reggaeton producers are actually starting to skip some kicks. Okay. Like, there, there was a kick every quarter note. Yeah. Now there, there is starting to not be a kick on every quarter note. Okay. Does that is that to leave space for a bigger snare drum, or is it just to slow the tempo down a bit, or what? 
it's to, to slow the tempo, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, I think they are um, getting inspiration from other genres. Right. Like Afrobeat. Yeah. And that's really nice because reggaeton has been stuck in, in the same rhythm for mm. <laughs> decades. And <laughs> yeah. Now it's starting to change, which okay. is really nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I suppose it's about... But yeah, getting back to the point. Mm, yeah. Um, rhythm, like you mean like drum parts? I suppose so, yeah. I, what, I suppose what I'm asking is how do you take that chord progression and melody that you've been playing with and decide what rhythm, what style of rhythm, uh, what drums you should use with that? Do you decide that first or after? Well, um, personally, my process is that I sit here on the piano and just play something that may so sound nice to me. Mm. doesn't even matter if it's correct. Just if I play, you know, a short loop. Yeah. Like I have a pen right here, just for example. That. Yeah. If I record that into Logic, I can, first of all, maybe quantize it and loop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I don't even have to worry about the rhythm anymore. Right. That melody because that was pretty okay, you know? Right. And after I loop it uh, a couple of times, I can change the pitch of a couple of notes. Yeah, yeah. And that's my tune. Okay, yeah. So then so then you can kind of just fill the drum beat out so that it suits the, the tune. Absolutely. That's yeah. that depends mostly in the genre genre. Yeah. I want okay. To make. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um I think I work I don't know how I work, probably drums first. Or at least drums roughly at the same sort of time, I think. Um I might start with just a kick drum just to give me some rhythm to sort of play with. But yeah, no, that's that, that's interesting. So you can allow the drums to kind of sculpt themselves rhythmically. But again, sound design becomes so important for drums, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, layering is huge when making sound design in drums. Yeah. Like not just uh, use one single kick drum, yeah. maybe use two or three, yeah. as long as, you know, the frequencies are not flashing. Yes, yeah. Mixed in key, uh, Studio Edition will help snares. you establish whether your kicks are in the same key range. <laughs> I'm just upselling, Mal, sorry. I, think, I didn't... Uh, I, we're losing connection again. Uh, we're losing connection. I was just upselling Mixed in Key, saying, um, Studio Edition, telling all our listeners that they can use that to determine <laughs> the key and note of their kick drums and other instrumentation. Uh I would say other indoor key detection softwares are available, but they're not. <laughs> we're the only ones. Anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm interrupting you, Mal. Sorry. What were you saying? Available at mixedinkey.com. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, basically layering things. Yeah. Uh, you know, a really cool thing I just started doing is recording stuff that I have here at home. Yeah. Uh, and use it as drums. Right. Okay. You know, probably I just uh, take a snare sample, mm. who knows where from, Splice mm. or whatever. Yeah. But also record uh, a a sheet of paper, mm. like really uh, scrunch it destroy up. it. Yeah, yeah. Scrunch it, yeah, that, yeah. that was the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah. And layer that with the snare. Yeah. And it gives a really cool texture. Yeah. 
That's a great tip. Brilliant. I mean, I, I first heard of Noisier doing that. Are you familiar with Noisier, the drum and bass artist? Oh, yes. I love their studio. Ah, okay. It's insane. Yeah. I remember reading about Noisier and uh, years ago about how they would just grab um, anything around the house, like you said, exactly the same, or sounds from their life, like bus doors closing and stuff like that, and record it and then put it into the the songs that they'd already written. And it just adds all these cool textures and cool layers. And, and now with auto-tune and um, whatever, Melodyne, you can... Um, pitch these things so accurately that they can become a real tonal texture for your songs, which is just, I mean, that is sound design. <laughs> Have I lost you well, again? I, I think I heard almost everything you said. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Melodyne, it's, it's great for that. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if when you are recording something, it doesn't really sound good. Mm. Because after that, you can always edit everything. Yes, absolutely. As long as, as you want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I do mostly with the flutes. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I even record my voice. Yeah. Even that I'm not a singer. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Right. Well, it, that, Sometimes that, I use my voice for, for sound design. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, the Pegasus method, which is something that uh, we've patented for use in, uh, we did develop, designed and patented it for use in Captain Melody. Um, there's a YouTube video on that on our YouTube channel, actually. It's really interesting. Isaac made that one. And basically it's um, a method of composition, which I think is really fun, very similar to what you were just describing doing with your flute uh, or with your voice uh, and then kind of adapting in Melodyne. This is kind of a version of that where you might have like, uh, you might have a rhythm in your head. You might, maybe your chords are going and you feel like there's this sort of melodic rhythm that you want. So if, like imagine you're Ed Sheeran and you're going... Ding, ding. You know, uh, I can't sing, but uh, that's the rhythm of, of Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. And uh, there's no notes in it yet because all you've done is tap a single key or a single pad or a single key on your keyboard um, just to get the rhythm. And that's all one single note and it doesn't matter what note that is because you turn that, put that into Captain Melody's idea tool and change the parameters and the rhythm will stay the same but suddenly the notes are um, melding, they're, like they're, they're changing, um, they're developing into a full melodic idea, still based around the chords in your chord progression. Um, and that to me sounds a little bit like what you're saying about recording your flute into, uh, you know, your, your door and then in Melodyne or in Auto-Tune, uh, adjusting those notes to suit how you want it to actually sound while keeping this kind of rhythmic idea that you had uh, or basic tonal idea alive. Yes, exactly. And I think that Pegasus method is extremely effective Yeah, because it doesn't matter if you are not a, a musician uh -huh. or, or you don't have like the ability or experience to write melodies. Yeah. This Pegasus method, method it's great for you. Mm. Because it really structures uh, the process of what you need to do first. Yeah. Like the drums are easy always. After you do the drums, if you create a very simple pattern that you can repeat, yeah. Like the dun 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 dun. That that is great for starters. Mm. So 
after you got that uh, yeah. simple pattern, yeah. you can start playing with pitch. Yes, yeah. So you come up with something nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a great way of doing things. Yeah. Yes, because of course, when when we compose melodies, it's it, it, there are many different types of melody and you can get quite technical on it. But fundamentally, especially if we're looking just for something that's just catchy, we want something that's simple, that repeats, but with the odd surprise. Because if it just repeats... Dun, 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 we just we get bored. We need we need it to kind of go dun dun dun, did it did do, and suddenly that that last kind of section is the bit that makes us feel happy with that whole melody. Um, Man, you gotta record that. That's cool. <laughs> there you go. That's that's how easy it is, right? We'll call it a wrap. That's it. End of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would say. Uh, you have to divide your melody in th- into three parts. Yeah. Like the beginning, mm-hmm. which may be the first quarter of it. Then the middle part, that there are, it's that's uh, the second and third yeah. um, parts, quarters. And the last part is the resolve. The resolve, yeah. I think you got to foc- focus your attention on both the beginning and the resolve. Yeah. They need to work together. Yeah. In a way, you need, so to be able you, to, loop it. you need to be able to remove the middle section and it still work as a melody, I think. That's a fun, that's a good trick to try. Exactly, yes. The middle section is not as important as, as the first. Right. Um, yeah. And the, and the last part. Yeah. So if you get the beginning to work with the last part, mm. like if you loop all or your melody and the last part yeah. feels like a nice transition to the beginning again. Yeah. So it's about yeah, confounding yeah. expectations a little bit as well, making sure things stay interesting. You know, I also find a lot of that, you know, creating tension mm-hmm. at the resolve part also works extremely well. Yeah, right. Okay. So let's see, if, uh, for instance, that we have C minor. And all my, all my melody is going to be in C minor. Right. But if my resolve part goes down to G... Mm. That's it. That is really creating tension yep. and make, making me want, want to go back to C minor. Yeah, the comfort of C minor. Yes, the comfort. Like mm. It's home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if a loop can always make you want to go home, that's a good start for it being catchy. I think if um, those are the, those are the ones that, that that we can't get out of our heads because as it progresses and gets round to the end of its cycle, we in 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 our hearts we're going. Oh, come back, come back. I want that satisfaction, you know, first beat of that first bar again. Um, and if, yeah, that's... Absolutely. It, if your progression and melody are both doing that, you've probably got a catchy song. Yeah, and that's actually the theory behind all the build-ups in EDM. Right. You know, the, yeah. the snare rises. That's yeah. tension. Yeah. That's the keyword. tension. Yeah. Tension. You should always try to create tension. Mm. So when you resolve, it really feels good. Right. And that's why we talk about in Captain plugins, using Captain Melody, you um, you have blue notes for chord tones. And we've said from the beginning that we, we don't encourage people to only write melodies with those blue notes, with those chord tones, because that there is no tension in that. Every one of those notes yeah. is in the chord. Then and it's so it's actually boring. It's boring. Yeah. You actually need um, those uh, tense notes to make the excitement to put the excitement in and that's yes exactly and 
you can go as far as you want with uh, tension, mm. always as long as you resolve. As long as you resolve, yeah, exactly. And I think there's, there's, uh, there's, you know, it's something to be used with caution. Um, if you're only using non-chord tones, then you're in danger of it being unsettling rather than tense. Oh yeah, you're right. Then it's no longer catchy. Then it's no longer catchy. Yeah, exactly. So it's just about finding that balance, finding that sweet spot, um, which I think is like fundamental to most music. Really, is keeping things exciting, trying new ideas, but finding the sweet spot where it feels still feels pleasant. Because very few of us, um, except perhaps for my brother who likes to listen to uh, experimental noise music, but most of us like to listen to music for the pleasure that it gives us rather than the challenge <laughs> to our senses that uh, my brother enjoys. But, um, you know, uh, I, I think that fundamentally most people making music need to remember that. Like, it's got to be pleasurable to do and it's got to be pleasurable to hear. And it's got to be really simple. And really simple. Absolutely. Mao, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I think we've cracked it. All our listeners can now go write some catchy hooks the next smash hits and uh, post it to our Facebook group and uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, exactly. Um, the truth is you're not going to do a catchy song the first time you try. Right. But any anyone can try making uh, a catchy song. Mm. And if you like follow these rules, like if you repeat stuff and create tension and then resolve, I think that's, that's the key of it. Absolutely. And if you're happy with it, so, share yeah, it. Everybody should try. Yeah, brilliant. It's been an absolute Sorry. pleasure talking to you, Mao. Uh, it's been brilliant. Uh, I hope I look forward to seeing you again, uh, speaking speaking to you again soon. Uh, all the best uh, in uh, in Mexico. Hope hope things are all right over there, uh, while the rest of the world seems to be uh, underwater or going up in flames. Um, but uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you soon. To all our listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next week with another instalment of the Mixed in Key podcast. See ya. Yeah.